0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Turn Evangelism podcast with T.S. Myers. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and let us know how God used this message to influence you. If you would like to follow our ministry, we would love for you to go to turnevangelism.com and check us out.
1: Are you getting in the way of Christ showing through you? Now let's look at young men. Titus chapter 2 verses 6 through 8. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. That is sober-minded, to think shrewdly, to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. So Titus is to be an example to these young men. In your teachings show integrity, seriousness, that is gravity, dignity, honor. So like what I'm presenting to you, where there's a little bit of weight to it, that's how Titus was instructed by Paul to present to these young men. I think we might be a little bit too flippant with young men. Oh, you know, everybody struggles with that. No, there, there is some weight to some of the things that these young men and young women are struggling with today. And it needs to be understood as a weight because there needs to be not only a love for God, but also a healthy fear for the consequences. Sin really destroys. Do you believe that? And if we don't help our youth, it's going to destroy them. Are we okay with that? So there needs to be some weight to it. In your teaching, show integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. Now look at the reason, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say against us. There is a purpose for why Paul is calling people to live this way. When we listen to God's word, not only is it not maligned, but also we are protected. We're protected. Can someone raise a complaint against you? Are you above reproach in your actions? I know for me personally, my wife, we're we're on the same page here. We want to live lives of integrity. We want to follow Jesus in such a way that we reflect him in our lifestyle. And that means living a certain way. That means when we're in the dark, we live the same as we do in the light. We don't have secret lives. Oswald Chambers, he said this, "...you are only who you are in the dark. All the rest is reputation." You can fool everyone, but you can't fool God. God knows who you really are. So we need to live lives of integrity. I want to live a life of integrity. When you do that, it also protects you. If you don't, then people might might be able to malign the word of God. You call yourself a Christian, but you do this, don't you? I could never become a Christian. Uh Uh-oh. We must obey God's word His way because God wants what's best for us and what's best for others. Don't let people malign the word of God. There's a story about a guy named Richard Wormbrand. He's the founder of Voice of the Martyrs. He was in prison under the Soviet Union in Romania for years, I think it was 20 years if I'm not mistaken. And one day he was in prison, like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they, he, he was singing hymns. And all of a sudden, this guard comes in And he starts saying, what are you doing? You're singing subversive hymns. I heard you're singing subversive hymns or something like that. And they didn't deny it. He's like, sing me a hymn right now. And so they sing him the hymn, O Sacred Head Now Wounded, about Christ. The guard listened to the whole entire song. He turns around and he walks out the door. Later on, that guard gave his life to Jesus. See? When you live God's will, God's way, His power works, and people might not like that you're speaking the Word of God, but they're not going to be able to rightly malign it. Be faithful to God's Word. Do His will. Show Him to others, and people will have nothing bad to say about you. It might be bad that they don't like what's going on, but in the end, in their heart of hearts, they're going to know. They're going to know the truth. The Holy Spirit's going to be there telling them the truth, saying, nope, you know you're wrong. So we've looked at older men and women. We've talked about the young men. The young women was talked about with the older women as well. And now let's look at something that might make Americans feel a little uncomfortable. Paul also addresses slaves. Slaves. And he doesn't say, tell the slaves to rebel against their masters. What's the goal so far, Ben? Remember, it's that the the Word of God wouldn't be maligned. Remember the reasons behind what's going on so far. The Word of God not being maligned, that we would be protected. And so here we see something else in Titus chapter 2, verse 9. It says this Teach slaves to be subject to their masters. What? In everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them. And not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. But look at the reason. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. The reason is so that... The gospel might be attractive to the slaveholders because even they need Jesus. When we listen and obey God's word, especially when times are hard, none of us in here are slaves, it's not that hard for us, right? But especially when times are hard, in violent times, I'd say, we make the gospel attractive. Well, think about Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, he took on the form of a slave. The God of the universe, king of kings, became a man. And then deity, in deepest humility, becomes humanity. And in humanity submits himself to slavery and then to death and death on the cross. What happens? Then he's exalted back to the name above all names. That at the feet of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And this shows us that the only way up is down. You want to change the world? You're not going to do it with the sword. You're going to do it by changing human hearts through loving people and the power of the gospel, by showing it. Are you preaching the gospel with your life? Violent times prove who you are and what you really believe. You have to have a precept mindset. If I was in this situation, I would do X. No, I'm going to do what Jesus would want me to do. Teresa of Lisieux said this, Suffering gladly born for others, think about being a slave, okay? Suffering gladly born for others convert more people than sermons. In missiology, there's a story of a Moravian named Johann Lenhard Dober, who left Germany for St. Thomas, the Virgin Islands. Here, Dober revealed his heart He expressed willingness to become a slave in order to reach the slave population for Christ. The Moravian missionaries didn't let him go through with it, but look at his heart. He was willing, like Christ did, to become a slave to save some. This is the attitude that is so foreign to the way of this world. It's the kingdom in reverse. It's not do this in order to get to the top and step on whoever's toes. It's lay down your life. It's servant leadership. It's showing people you love them by serving them. Would you be willing if God asked you? This missionary went and was willing to do what it took to get the gospel to others. Even if it meant enslavement. Are you willing to follow Jesus wherever He's asked you to go? Well, that would be extremely hard if this is the only life that we had. Our circumstances would become all-consuming because that's the only thing that would be in front of us. But this isn't all we have. We're looking forward to eternity with God and glorified bodies, with Him forever where there's no more sorrow or suffering. And so we endure light and momentary troubles because for the sake of those that we love, this world, like God loves, we are willing to do what it takes to save some. We need to have the same mindset as Christ if we're going to be calling ourselves Christians. When we actually live like this, self-sacrificially, we make the gospel of God attractive. Think about how attractive it was to Wormbrandt's guard. When he loved Jesus so much that even in the midst of his imprisonment, he's singing to him. The testimony to the point where that guard comes to know Jesus. Suffering gladly born for others converts more people than sermons. When we actually live like this, self-sacrificially, we make the gospel attractive. Love is shown in the gospel of Christ. John fifteen thirteen says that greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And then Jesus says, "I have called you friends." Romans five eight says this: that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. God could have just rent the heavens and he could have stuck his face through and he could have said, I love you. And we would have died in our sins still. Because even if that was the case, we couldn't make it to heaven because we're sinners and he's a holy God. So God doesn't just say he loves you. He shows he loves you. It's true love. Greater love has no one than that. And He demonstrates His love for you that while we were enemies of God, He dies for us. There is a way to listen to God's Word that is appropriate to sound doctrine. Your life, how you live in the church, needs to match what you preach with your words. And that's what Paul is saying here. As he's writing to Titus. So will you listen to and obey God's word this week? Or will you keep on living for your own crown? If you do, if you live for his crown, and you pour out your life for others, if when you take communion, it becomes a symbol, not just of what Christ does for you, but also about who you are. your broken bread and poured out wine. Yes, I take this in to be a part of myself. That just like you were broken for me, I will be broken for this world so that I can save some. If you do, you're going to see his power. Thomas, I can't obey God's word. It's too hard. I hear it, but I just can't obey it. Nobody, before Jesus came, was able to walk on water. I'm just going to say that. And then Jesus starts walking on water. And Peter says, when he sees him walking on water, he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And that even though for years and years before that, nobody had been able to walk on water, the Lord gives his command to Peter. And Peter trusts in his command and he gets out of the boat. And you know what happens to Peter? He starts to walk on water. It's never been done before. I'll never be able to do it. Well, if the Lord God of the universe commands you to come, then you will be able to do it. His word will sustain you. It will uphold you. And so what happens? Peter starts walking on water. But then something else happens. He starts to take his eyes off Jesus. The person who was really holding him up. It wasn't the water. It was the word of God he starts to look at the waves and he starts to look at the storm and then he starts to sink and then jesus grabs him and he says you of little faith but then jesus picks him up and they walk back to the boat together i think that's a great way to look at our lives here on this earth as well when we have our eyes on jesus and we say, Lord, if it's you and you commanding it, command us to come. And he says, come. And we know what the scripture has said and he's told us to do it. And we actually start doing it and we start to really see God's power. But then we start looking at the winds and the waves and all this stuff and it starts to freak us out and we start to sink. And we say, Lord, I need you. And then he saves us time and time again until finally we get the picture. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to watch Jesus. Now, walking on water is one thing. The real challenge comes when you have to walk every single day on land without forgetting to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the real miracle. If you can do that without daydreaming or fading off into the distance and not keeping your eyes on Jesus, if you can do that, then the world is yet to see what a man or woman like you would look like, fully sold out, eyes on Jesus all the time, 100% of the time, never looking away. Keep your eyes on Christ. When God commands you, He empowers you. And He upholds you by His Word. There is a way to listen to God's Word that is appropriate to sound doctrine. When you listen and obey, God's word is honored. It's not maligned. We are protected. People won't be able to bring a word against you. And God's word is made attractive. Are you making Christ known? Would you pray with me? Lord, help us to take your word seriously. To do your will, your way. Lord, I want to pray for... People in this room, God, if you're putting it on their heart to do more than just be good people as Christians, but to do the right thing, to follow you as His church, to do the hard thing—that sometime this week, whether it be today or the end of the week, whenever it be, Lord, that they would commit their lives to doing more than just the mundane, come to church every Sunday. But they would sell out for your church. They would take their role seriously and they would hit the ground running. That they would go up to the pastors and ask them, what can I do for you, Jesus Christ? What can I do for the church here? Lord, I want to pray for those in this room right now that don't know you. Maybe they know about you from a distance. They know you you died for sins of the world. They know you exist, but they haven't actually come to know you in a personal relationship. They don't know you like they know their father or their deepest friend, their spouse. They know you from a distance. I pray that you would help them right now. I pray that you would call them to come. That you would draw their hearts to you, Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Now with nobody looking around and every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you and the God of the universe has convicted you and he said to you, you know about me, but you don't know me. The last thing I as a pastor who's traveling wants to see is for you to stand before God one day and for him to say the words, get behind me workers of iniquity, I never knew you when you could know him by believing the gospel. That Jesus died for your sins to give you a promise of eternal life. And that if you give Jesus your sins, you can walk out of these doors knowing that you're born again. That you could have a similar experience that I had. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be empowered to bear fruit. Today, that could be you. You can know God. But you've got to let go of your sins. I said it yesterday and I will say it again. If you are not willing to part with the sins in your life and make Jesus your Lord completely, you'll say a prayer, but it won't mean something. Jesus needs to be the Lord of all your life. And he wants all of it. That means you're going to have to do the hard thing. You're going to have to come to him and say, you're Lord. And you might think, well, there's some things in the Bible I don't agree with. You're going to have to say, nope, I'm wrong, God's right. What will you do? Eternity is too long to be wrong. It is not worth it. I want you to think clearly and hand your life over to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to say a simple prayer of surrender to God right now. Say this to Him Dear Jesus, I believe in your cross and I'm sorry for my sins. I give them to you, I put them on you completely. And today, I ask you, be the Lord of my life, of everything, of every crack and crevice in me, God. Even the dark areas I give to you. Forgive my sins. Be my Savior and be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Did this message draw you closer to God or did you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and fill out the form at the bottom of the page and tell us what God did in your life through this message. Also, if you would like to bring T.S. Myers out to do ministry with your church or organization, send us a message on our website, turnevangelism.com. Thank you for joining us for this message from Turn Evangelism with T.S. Myers.